Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space. Add Buzzsprout and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Barefooting with Sierra. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral land of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Ojibwe, Nakota Sioux, and others for time immemorial. I also would like to acknowledge that this land is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta and that I am a settler on this land. My name is Sierra Larson Baker, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist. I use they-them pronouns, and I have been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. Thanks for sticking with me uh, the last several weeks as I have not been posting. Things got really um, crazy and rough in my personal life, but I am back, so um, thank you for uh, bearing with me. You guys are great. I break this podcast up into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. In this episode, I interviewed filmmaker Dave Bresnahan about his film, Grandpa's Crazy. Let's get started. First up, novels. My novel, Red 72 Revelation, is available for Kindle pre-order. This finale to my Red 72 series is set four years after the Second Red War that took place in the previous book, Red 72 Exodus. Now struggling with PTSD from her time as a soldier in the war, journalist Candace Carroll demands answers to her questions about the biochemical weapon Red 72, questions that others are afraid to ask. These questions take her to the Philippines, where the First Red War began, and put her in danger once again. Red 72 Revelation comes out June 21st in paperback and ebook. I am currently looking for audiobook narrators. If you are on ACX as a narrator or just would be interested in narrating, please um, shoot me an email or Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere. Um, hit me up. My New Year's resolution was to read one book from the Texas Banned Books list each week. This week I read Meet Cute, Some People Are Destined to Meet, a short story anthology with stories from Jennifer L. Armentrout, Danielle Clayton, Katie Catugno, Jocelyn Davies, Nina LaCour, Emery Lord, Catherine McGee, Cass Morgan, Meredith Russo, Sarah Shepard, Nicola Yoon, E.B. Zovoy, and Julie, Muf- Julie Murphy. It's adorable, and I loved it. Uh, A Meet Cute is a TV and movie trope where two people have an unconventional or adorable way of meeting, and then they fall in love. And that's what every short story in this collection is. One couple's Meet Cute. I feel like this book was targeted for the ban list specifically because some of the Meet Cutes are queer couples. But you could probably argue that it was on the list for language because there's a smattering of that. I've mentioned before how bogus that is. This book is not going to harm teenagers, and kids young enough to actually experience potential harm from this book aren't reading at a, le- at a level to read it anyway. In novel news, when I saw Wicked, the entire cast was white. 
The King and I was the first Broadway show I saw with non-white cast members, and Hamilton was the first show with black cast members. But in Wicked, Glinda the Good has always been cast as a white woman until now. Brittany Johnson is the first black woman to portray Glinda in the musical based on Gregory Maguire's novel. Since Wicked debuted 19 years ago, every professional company has cast Glinda as a white woman modeled after Kristen Chenoweth, the original Broadway actor for the role. I think this is a particularly significant casting, more so than other long-running Broadway roles that cast black women for the first time, because Glinda is seen as this epitome of good. Casting a black woman is so significant. I love it. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which I did not love, is getting a sequel, and a lot of people have a lot of feelings about it. Author John Boyne announced his sequel, All the Broken Places, will be published in September by Penguin Random House. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas is about a German boy who befriends a Jewish child imprisoned in Auschwitz. All the Broken Places will be told from the perspective of the German boy's sister, Gretel. This announcement comes at a time when neo-Nazis are on parade and memoirs about the Holocaust are getting banned from schools. It's a time when an accurate depiction of the Holocaust is more important than ever. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas is so far from accurate that the Auschwitz Memorial Museum put out a statement about the book saying, quote, it should be avoided by anyone who studies or teaches about the history of the Holocaust, end quote. Art Spiegelman, author of Holocaust graphic memoir Mouse, stated, That guy didn't do any research whatsoever. So, if you do choose to read All the Broken Places, treat it like the complete work of fiction that it is. Now, on to comics. I've been in a pretty deep, depressive episode for, honestly, a few months. And a few months ago, I made a comic talking about how my will to live was broken. To say my therapist was deeply concerned would be an understatement. She keeps giving me assignments for ways to channel my dark thoughts into positive art, which is how the comic Shoulder Angel came into being. Still made people kind of concerned, but I'm hanging in there. I'm alive. You're, you're, you're hearing from me, so I'm here. In comics news, Golden Apple Comics in California have started a foundation for the preservation of comic book and comic book art. The Golden Apple Foundation. They are working with the University of Pennsylvania Special Collections Department, as well as private collectors. I hope the foundation will allow people to access the collection through some sort of museum. So many of the treasures of the art world are hidden away in private collections. What's the point of preserving things if no one has access to them? DC Comics has lost their trademark lawsuit against Unilever. The lawsuit was pertaining to the UK cosmetics brand Wonder Mum. DC Comics claimed it was too similar to Wonder Woman, and customers would think the brands were related. The court thought otherwise. This seems like a massive overstretch, and reminds me of when McDonald's sued the restaurant McJoy in Cebu, Philippines, because of the similar name. McJoy had been in business since 1987. The first McDonald's in the city opened in 1992. The courts forced McJoy to change the name of their restaurant to My Joy after McDonald's claimed they were using McDonald's reputation to increase their business. Large brands throw around their money to gain power. I do wonder how a smaller company that doesn't have money for a court battle would have fared, though. All right, next up is journalism, which means it's time for my interview with Dave Bresnahan about his film Grandpa's Crazy. Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. You could tell the listeners well, a little about yourself, where you're from, and what got you into filmmaking. Well, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the invitation. And uh, it's a long road. I started 
uh, back, uh, well, I started in theater as a kid, started in movies when I was in college. I just got the bug and uh, kept pursuing anything I could find, whether it was being an extra or auditioning for a part. Um, I was there and have just kept learning and growing, taking classes and workshops. And as I've gotten older, I've wanted to get involved in the making of films. So I have made it a point of trying very hard to spend time with top filmmakers and pick their brains and learn from them and put all that together into my brain. My background is that I have a degree in communications from Westminster College, and uh, that led to a career as a journalist and a broadcaster. Uh, that became an opportunity to become a book author, so I've written a number of books. And then the effort to write a screenplay, which is a whole different world. Uh, writing a screenplay is not the same as writing a book at all. So I felt like I needed to go back to school and, and learn what I needed to know before I tried and made a fool of myself. So I spent four years going to workshops, master classes, anything I could find on screenwriting. And uh, then I made that effort and created what is our current film, Grandpa's Crazy, with a question mark. Uh, that film has won awards internationally and is doing quite well on the film festival circuit. It's been submitted to 25 different film festivals. It has won awards in eight of them. It has nominations still to be decided in four more. And then the remaining numbers haven't reached the point where they've decided which films are nominated yet. So we're doing well. Um, I've already written the sequel, and the sequel is in film festivals as well and winning awards also. So I'm on the right track. It's going well. Excellent. And yeah, like you said, it's it's very different writing uh, for the screen than it is uh, writing books. I'm, I'm an author myself. I've written five books, and one of my friends challenged me to write a TV pilot, and it's not going well. <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> different process. Yes, like, it is. Uh, I can watch TV. I don't know that I could write it. <laughs> Very different. Well, it's different because when we write a book, we're writing words that are used to create pictures in the mind. When we're writing a film, we're describing in a blueprint for filmmakers to follow a way to tell a story using pictures. And so it's a, it's a different medium and this, it's storytelling, but it's told in a different way. And so it's a craft that requires a total adjustment in the mind of how to present it. And that transition takes time. Like I said, I spent four years working on it. Absolutely. What was the inspiration for, for Grandpa's Crazy and the story behind that? Well, Grandpa's Crazy is really a compilation of uh, many situations that I've been aware of in my life or people that I've known, the different characters there are um, absolutely without question people that I have known in my life. And um, I have uh, started, I started the, the story concept 
because I was having a conversation with a lady about her elderly father. And um, he went through the things that Gramps did. He um, drove his car and got lost, so his kids took the keys away. They thought they solved the problem, but they forgot out in the barn was a tractor. And that guy took his tractor and went driving on the tractor and got lost. So they took that away. Uh, and then they had to take away the ride around lawnmower because he used that. And so that became the inspiration for the story. Uh, what if I had a character and what situation would he be in and what would take place? And the story developed around that. Uh, my character isn't really suffering from dementia. He was doing it on purpose to get attention. So our story focuses on elderly loneliness and uh, he, he lost his wife. Everybody came to the funeral and then he spent months with no visitors, no phone calls and making his efforts to get his kids to come to dinner and spend time with him. And they were just full of excuses, not because they were mean, just because life goes on and it's hard when you've got your own kids and family to make time for grandpa. So he decided he had to create a reason for them to show up. And he felt getting lost would cause them to come and show sympathy and love and support, and it backfired. Instead, they decided to take him to court and have him declared incompetent. So Gramps created his own crisis, and yet, uh, fortunately for him, he had made friends with the kids in the skate park. He had skills with a video camera, was helping them get on YouTube doing their skating tricks. So the kids all love Gramps. And they charged into the courtroom and came to his defense. So it's a, it's a fun story. It's a story about both elderly loneliness and the problems that kids have. Um, we involve social issues such as uh, teenagers contemplating suicide um, and child abuse, physical child abuse, and other issues that are prominent in the world around us today. Um, our movie isn't preachy. We don't try to teach anything about them. They're just part of the story, just like they're part of life. But it gives us lots to think about. I love that it's got the intertwining, like elderly and youth. Uh, that's kind of why it was my brother that told me about your movie. Um, my family lives in, in Tooele and my brother's like, hey, there's this movie with kids from Tooele High School in it. I think you need <laughs> to know about it. It's got old people and teenagers. It's going to be right up your alley because the the TV pilot I'm really still just dragging my feet on working on is supposed to be about teenagers volunteering in an Alzheimer's home. But yeah, he's like, you need to you need to learn more about this. Maybe it'll help you. But yeah, it's the way that the way that we interact with the elderly in our lives is really. It's, it's, it's kind of sad, but yeah, but watching the trailer made me want to call my grandparents. <laughs> well, good. I hope so. Um, and that's what I'm hoping as people watch the film. It's been screened a couple of times in film festivals. The reaction has been tremendous. And a number of the people who've watched it have made comments like you just made. Uh, and they said things like, it makes me want to uh, call my parents or my grandparents. And I haven't talked to them in a while and it makes me want to go visit. And, and that's really the goal. I'm not trying to be preachy about it, but um, I met that lady that told me the story at the independent living center where my mom was living. 
Uh, she passed away this past summer, but uh, she had been living there for five or six years, and it gave me an opportunity when I visited her to meet her neighbors and get to spend time with them and learn their stories. And a lot of that um, is where I felt the need to have a story about elderly loneliness because they were all uh, jealous of of my my mother's contact with her family. All of us siblings visited her very often. I'm all the way in Utah, and that was in Massachusetts. And I was able to go out and spend time out there and visit and, and see her and help her and go to doctor visits or whatever she needed and, and take my turn helping mom. Um, and those people that I met there would say things like, I haven't seen my kids in a year, or it's, they only come around on Christmas and those kind of things. And, and it's sad um, that we allow our um, older generation to have that experience, that sense of nobody cares about me. For sure. That's like, that's our, that's our family legacy. Like that, that we really should be having more of a connection with that. And I'm, I'm blessed that all of my great grandparents were alive when I was born. And I, I got to know all of them pretty much except for my great grandpa on my dad's mom's side. He died when I was four, but you know, most people don't have that opportunity and those who do really should be taking more of an advantage of it because you don't know how long you're going to have with them. That, you know, really makes you think. Well, it does. It does. And you know what? Um, visiting is a simple thing. It's an easy thing. It doesn't have to be anything special or have any kind of big deal arrangements. Just the fact that you show up, come and say hi, spend some time. And uh, that just helps them to feel that somebody still cares about them. And that's really what it's all about. Um, so anyway, I recommend to everyone, this is a film that your family can go to, uh, all generations. Grandma and grandpa can take their kids and their grandkids and all go to the movie and see it. Uh, well, I don't know if you'll be able to go to the movie and see it. You may be watching it online. Uh, we're negotiating right now with a couple of different companies and they will, if, they, if it goes through some opportunity will be there for you to stream this. I'm not sure it'll be available in theaters. You mentioned that there's a sequel to this movie. What's yes. that about and what's in the future for you? Well, I'm, I'm very much an out of the box kind of thinker. And uh, this is not just another day in the life of Gramps and the skateboarding kids. Um, the sequel's name is Skateboarding Aliens. And indeed, um, the kids with their videos on YouTube have become so well known that these alien kids on another planet who have tapped into Earth's YouTube have been watching these skateboarding videos. And they decide to steal their parents' spaceship and go to Earth so they can learn to skateboard with these kids in Tooele. And they don't want to just skateboard. They want to skateboard with these kids that they consider to be their YouTube heroes. So um, the fun and adventures begin uh, because they're, these alien kids are followed by some space pirates. And uh, so we end up with all kinds of challenging adventures taking place. 
with the aliens coming to Earth, along with the pirates and the problems that they bring. And uh, the Earth kids and the alien kids uh, have their work cut out for them to prevent Earth from being taken over by these pirates. I love that, mostly because aliens invading Tooele is just like yeah. the most <laughs> unlikely scenario on the Yeah, Nobody thinks that. All the yep. big budget alien films. It's like New York and Los Angeles. Nope, they're coming to Tooele. <laughs> yeah, aliens town. are coming. <laughs> I love that. How did you come up with that idea? Well, um, it it was part of the the initial film. So there's two times in the in the Gramps film in which uh, Gramps' uh, grandson R.J. Uh, in talking to his father is surprised by something his father says and um he turns to his father and he says hey wait a minute what have you what have you aliens done with my father because he doesn't believe the, the response was something his father would get and then later at the skate park um his, his father grabs a skateboard and skates and he he didn't know his father could skateboard. So he looks up, goes over to his father and he says, you really are an alien in my father's skin. So we decided that we needed to explore the alien possibilities. I love that. Just taking something and just completely rolling with it. Yep. You can have a lot of fun with that. Do you have any more future plans for more movies or more books or um, there are three movies scheduled for filming uh, during 2022. Uh, the third movie is another sci-fi adventure. It is not part of the Gramps series of stories, um, but it is sci-fi and it is kids. It's called Kids on Mars. And it's about the first kids born in the colony on Mars. And these kids grow up and when they become teenagers and they realize what they're missing out on back on Earth and all the things you can do on Earth that you can't do on Mars, um, they get kind of rebellious. And so we have this unique situation where you have a group of colonists who gave up everything on purpose to go live on Mars and build this colony. And they have kids and their kids aren't grateful for what their parents have done. They're rebellious and, and want no part of it. And so it creates a high conflict situation and lots of challenges that take place. The, um, the, the big problem is, is that the, the, there's a uh, explosion on Mars and the area where all the parents do their research and work blew up and all the parents die and the kids are left alone. And they're in a very precarious way. They're going to die too if they don't get to work real quick and solve some problems. So uh, the kids suddenly find themselves in this difficult situation where they have to uh, put all their past feelings aside and get busy in order to survive. And so it's quite a sci-fi adventure on Mars. Sounds very exciting. I can't wait to watch that. The third film that we're making will be filmed next fall. And it is a true story that's being adapted from a book. Um, and 
the the newspapers have been writing about us here locally and and so as actually someone who lives nearby who read about what we're doing and and got in touch with me and said I've got this book about my ancestor who was in World War II and everybody who reads the book says this should be made into a movie what do you think will you take a look at it so I did take a look at it and it's a great book about a young man who went off to war in World War II and was part of the first, uh, it's called the Force. Um, it's the first group that ended up becoming special forces as we know them today. And um, it's it's quite a story. Um, as far as World War II stories go, um, it's full of all the drama that takes place and, and it has a friendship between this uh, ancestor of his, his name is Sam, and Sam makes friends with a Canadian uh, member of the force that he calls Frenchie. And so it's a story of them going through this experience together. It's done from their point of view rather than uh, trying to give an account of which general decided this and they're doing this battle and that battle. It's, instead, it's, it's a point of view of the foot soldier on the ground and what it was like for them as they went through these experiences that that led to um they were the group that that liberated rome and so um it just follows them from basic training right through that whole process sounds like lots of exciting things coming up yep ah. what advice do you have for people who might want to get involved in filmmaking um well, the best advice that I can give is uh, film school is essential. There's an awful lot of young people that I meet who think that they can um, that they can tackle this uh, without going to film school, um, just because you know how to point a camera and, and, and take some video, maybe do some editing, doesn't mean you can make a feature film. Um, <clears throat> You need you need to get as much training as you can get, and then when you get out of film school, you need to go to work, uh, get some jobs, work on some film sets, um, whether it's behind the camera or in front of the camera. Uh, same advice: whether you want to be an actor or a cinematographer or a screenwriter, a director, it doesn't matter the job. The advice is the same: um, get the education and then go to work. And you need to pay your dues, in other words. The more experience that you can get, the better. Um, if you work in as many areas as you can, on as many projects as you can, you'll have a, a bigger picture of the process of making a film. And you'll understand what each member of the crew does, which enables you to work more effectively with them. Uh, the director of Grandpa's Crazy is my friend Dana Gerald, and this was his first uh, feature film that he directed. And I selected him specifically because I have observed him on other film sets. And um, we made a film together called Saints and Soldiers, and he, um, in that film, worked with the many extras that we had playing soldiers in the film. And those soldiers were all teenage boys. Um, 
his skills and ability to work with those teenagers showed me that he knew how to work with kids. And there's this saying that goes around in, in the film world, uh, never do a film with kids or animals. And that's kind of the general feeling that most people have. I had to find a director that would be comfortable with both because our film is made up with lots of kids and they're all skateboarders and love to have a good time. And that means uh, you're herding cats basically every day on set. And then in addition to that, uh, we had two dogs in the movie and filming with dogs and the patience that goes with that is challenging. I knew that Daner could do that. Not only was he able to deal with that situation, he's an actor. He's a very, very fine actor. And that means as a director, he knows how to work with actors to get their best performance from them. And it was absolutely fantastic to watch him in that process, including with myself, because I took a small role in the picture as well. And uh, he was not afraid. I'm his boss but he was not afraid to direct me in a very strong way to get my best performance out of me. And so I picked the right guy to do that. He has many, many years of experience that led to the point where he was able to direct a film. And um, this will certainly not be his last. Uh, he's a very skilled director. And that's what I recommend to everyone. Get all the experience you possibly can get. Don't, come out of film school and think I'm going to go direct my first feature film. That's really not a realistic approach to things. There's so much to learn. Uh, go work on film sets and pick the brains of the directors that you work with, learn from them. And then the day will come when your opportunity will be there. Great advice. It's been so great chatting with you, Dave. Where can people find your films to watch them? Well, right now we're waiting as we complete the negotiation process. Um, we'll see who wins. Um, Sony is looking at the film and Netflix is looking at the film and we'll see which one gives us the best deal. Um, so it looks like one of those will have it available. Um, once that happens, it's certainly going to be announced on our Facebook and Twitter pages. So you can just look for uh, Grandpa's Crazy Movie uh, you can look at, for that hashtag or uh, look it up on uh, Facebook or Twitter under Grandpa's Crazy and you'll find it and follow us and you'll you'll get all the announcements as they come. Uh, we're going to be in the LDS Film Festival. Uh, that's the first week in March. And that film festival will screen our film as one of their featured films. So you'll have to watch their website. They only just announced that this morning. So uh, it hasn't been announced the exact day and time yet, but uh, if you watch their website, it'll give the schedule of the whole film festival. And that's really um, one of the real premier film festivals in Utah. Uh, the name LDS Film Festival doesn't mean that it's all LDS films and ours isn't. Ours um, is a family-friendly film. Um, and most of the films that come to that film festival are family-friendly uh, and they come from all areas of interest. Uh, the film festival uh, operates in Orem at the Sierra Theaters, and uh, it's really nicely done, very professional, and uh, gives you opportunity to rub elbows with 
filmmakers and actors and, and meet all the celebrities. Uh, it has workshops where you can attend so that you can learn about different filmmaking jobs that you might want to pursue. Um, they had an excellent uh, workshop there, uh, not last year because of COVID, but the year before with um, screenwriting, for example. So if there's things you want to learn, a lot of the film festivals are a great place to learn it. Um, we aren't uh, screening in the Sundance Film Festival, and that's been in the news that they've shut down the in-person part of their film festival this year, which is understandable with the rise of COVID problems. So they're doing some screenings online, and I think some of their workshop, workshops are online. And so those film festivals or any film festivals that you want to look up quite often have workshops associated with them. So if you have an interest and want to learn more about filmmaking, uh, one avenue for doing that and one avenue for networking, which is really important for getting filmmaking jobs, is the film festivals. Go to them. Awesome. Good to know. Thanks for that, uh, that tip. Um, well, thank you again for joining me. It's been so great chatting with you and um, looking forward to seeing all of those films that you mentioned that you're making this year. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And once again, I invite anybody listening to go to Facebook, go to Twitter, look us up, Grandpa's Crazy, and uh, follow us and you'll learn more about what we're doing and when you can see our film. Perfect. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. I've been in kind of a depression hibernation for the last few months, so I haven't been doing very much in the way of barefoot adventures, pretty much just in my front yard out checking the mail. But in barefoot news, after slipping and nearly falling because of her high heels, Selena Gomez removed them and went barefoot for the rest of the evening at the Screen Actors Guild Awards Ceremony on February 27th. Gomez remained barefoot as she and Martin Short presented the award for Outstanding Female Actress in a Supporting Role to Ariana DeBose for her role in West Side Story. I commend Selena Gomez for her choice to take off those dangerous shoes. I hope this is a step forward for acceptability for bare feet. And that's all for this episode. I'll be back next week, hopefully, with an interview with barefoot meteorologist Malika Dudley. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. Thank you to Legion X for my intro and outro music. You can find me on Twitter at Sierra Barefoot, on Instagram at Sierra the Barefoot, and on TikTok at Sierra is Barefoot. All of my books are available on Amazon and on my website, sierrathebarefootgirl.com. Basically, just Google Sierra Larson, I come up. My Patreon is patreon.com slash possumpeat. That's from my comics. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. It really helps me to get those Apple reviews and then more guests, more awesome content for you. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.